black top pulpit, black top pulpit, Douglas Reformed Church. I am Andrew, and this is Ken. We are the elders of Douglas Reformed Church. And uh, during Blacktop Pulpit, we talk about the sermon from Sunday, make clarification where clarification needs to be made, and bring some application, hopefully down to the Blacktop, down to just real life. Where, where life meets the road, where life meets the blacktop. Yeah. All right. I like that we do the application, like, ultimately last. <laughs> ultimately like, last, yeah, it comes we don't, we don't start we with don't the application. Start, no. And you never want to, right? You no, never want goodness, to start no. with the application, because when you start with the application, something always goes terribly wrong in your, in your interpretation of the Bible. <laughs> well, like you, you always sing, it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, did I just do a song? That's your thing. I am not taking that up. I do not sing. Holy cow, get me out of here. Kathy's rolling her eyes in the other room. I'm sure doesn't know what's You say on. you don't sing, but every Sunday you're leading us in music. That's true. Which has been really nice, by the way. Thanks. I appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> I'm having a good time with it. I, I, I won't mind whenever someone more talented comes along and takes that reign from me. I'm totally fine with that, too. But it it is good. I, I like leading it. or just worshiping through song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and too, like when the family gets together and stuff, we do our de- devotionals and whatnot. Like I just, I like music. I wish, I think if that's one of the things that I could change about myself, I would be more talented in music. I would love... Especially with the acoustic licks that you just hear, man, that just sends your heart spinning mm. when you know you just just going crazy on that fretboard. Should, should I play some Andy McKee before we continue? <laughs> yeah, do it. No, do it. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would be good. But no, I, I enjoy music. Just wish I was a little bit better. But I'm kind of, I'm I'm giving what the Lord gave me. I'm going to use it. <laughs> Amen to that. That's what we're all trying to do, man. That's right. That's like me forgetting the stupid verse I wanted to talk about right at the beginning of the sermon, and like, and then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, my mind was just blank, and I was like, "What the heck? What do I do with that?" I'll come back to it. We'll get to it when we're walking through the scripture. That's funny. Uh, I'd say it happens to everybody, but I don't think it does. Uh, Never happens to me because because you have your notes right in front of you. Well, I. I preach verbatim from my notes. <laughs> that's just that's just again when we're talking about giftedness or, or not giftedness. I I could spend a week prepping and writing a sermon, yeah. and I could get up at the pulpit on oh, Sunday. Man. If I didn't have my sermon written, I would almost forget like where I was. Mm-hmm. Now, as I'm reading through it, it comes back to my memory, right. and then you know I might on occasion you know. I kind of trail off if the the Holy Spirit so leads me, but nine times out of ten, or I'd say ninety percent of the time, like it's I read straight through, man. Just don't have that memory. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah just me. <laughs> yeah, just just different uh, different preaching styles and different ways people do things. Um, but ultimately, we want the content to be the same, no matter who's bringing the word. Right? right. We want it to be the words of Christ, explained and exposited and applied. So important. That's, that's it, mm-hmm. right? No matter who's preaching or whether by notes or by memory. Right. Your notes. I won't go there. <laughs> My notes are what? Not, not your notes. We're supposed to use our own notes. Plagiarize <clears throat> <laughs> so much. <laughs> Never mind. 
I'm bringing up the past. You know, it's at least a week down now. <laughs> yeah, plagiarizing is not cool. No, it's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Preach your own sermons. Yeah. All right. So, what'd you what'd you what'd you notice in the sermon on some? I mean, I already know there are a couple of clarifications that need to be made, mm-hmm. right? One of those clarifications is when I talk about moralistic living mm. and the fact that that moralistic living is against Christ, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be moral, right? For sure. Um, we still have what we believe to be a moral standard. And we still believe there, there's right and wrong and there's stuff that's just wrong to do. Yeah. Of course, right? But to be moralistic in our thinking is to be... It's to, it's to make an idol out of all the rules that we create. And I just want to make sure our audience knows about the distinctions Okay. There, right? So moralistic is a way of living, whereas having morals, that is, that's believing that there's stuff that's right and stuff that's wrong. Um, is, that, is that fair? Yeah. Am I making sense? <laughs> so sometimes things need to like meld over me a little bit. Yeah. I, think I, I think I'm tracking with you. Right. Um, let me see... Let me see if I could kind of pitch that back a little bit. So, so are you are you are you contrasting the idea of of um, using your good behaviors and the right and wrong as like your pursuit in life of all, your God, your idol, your worshiping in life versus like still pursuing good and morality, um, but. What's the drive on the contrast? If it's not idolatry, if it's not, if it's not for your righteousness' sake, yeah. or am I on a totally wrong page? Uh, no, I think that's right, and I think that's yeah. right where the sermon went right because all of a sudden, instead of being focused on where's the boundary, which is moralistic, mm-hmm. it's how do I live to profit others, mm. yep, which yep. leads us into a, a decent actual morality, right? right? Um, yeah. So that'd be fair. This is the same distinction that we have between legal and legalistic, right? right? There are legal processes, but we don't ever want to be legalistic, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. Uh, the same distinction there is between what is historic and what is historical, right? Historical is in the way of history, in the way of doing history, which isn't bad, right? I'm not saying any of these is bad. Um, and then there's historic, which is a moment. There's a historic yeah. moment. So it's just, just I'm, I use language on purpose, and I'm not sure people always catch on to how I'm using it during the sermon. <laughs> you know? Well, hopefully, if I, you're doing I it right, so. it's a little challenging, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't use language to confound, but you, know, you want to definitely yeah. use language that, that challenges and um, causes people to reflect on mm-hmm. what you're teaching. So. I hope so. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, make some clarification there. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. other clarification that needs to be made uh, because apparently you have this entrapping, entrapping question. <laughs> you said you needed to ask uh, about about God not being provoked. So, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so not entrapment. No, this not is entrapment. okay. This is such an important area for us to, and I and I think it's it's really telling of where our motives are when when we do stuff like this not in secret mm. so like i didn't study this conflict in scripture that 
you know, at face value has has some issues sure. that might be with what Paul's teaching. Right. So what do people normally, you know, or, or what are we prone to do if we see a potential issue in the harmonizing of Scripture? Um, we would want to, like, kind of hide and find out, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google see what you uh, know, MacArthur says about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, like, here I am. I haven't, I haven't dived into this. I saw it on Sunday, and I was like, huh. And I'm trying to remember more of the story, and then and before I wanted to rabbit trail too much and totally tune you out, <laughs> I'm like, i got to dial it back. <laughs> you know, we have a time for this, <laughs> and it's today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, um, let me... Let me pull back to the passage because that's the the one thing I don't think. Yeah. So first, oh, first Corinthians ten, yeah, twenty seven, right? Yes, sir. All right, I'm not there. On, well, all right, twenty. No, not not twenty seven exactly. Um, you're talking about the verse that says, "Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy?" That's twenty two. Twenty two. Okay, yeah. So yeah, First Corinthians ten. Okay, there's a couple. That's right. Okay, so I wrote the first one. Duh, 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 duh. You cannot drink. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going back a little bit. You cannot drink the the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? So here, here's. What I I think you got it very clearly is Paul does this all the time. He answers his question with a with question, a question. It's, it's, and that's it's very so hel- very, very Hellenistic. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I don't think there's much debate what Paul was thinking here. Um, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Question, and then he makes a very obvious question. If are we stronger than he? Now we know, no doubt. Of course, Paul would we're not never stronger. <laughs> That we're stronger okay. than God. Even 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 your open theists in the world today, which I, we're not open theists. No, but your open no. theists in the world today, your Arminians, those who believe we have um, uh, libertarian free will, and I'll be very careful to term it that way. Right? <laughs> those who believe we have libertarian free will, and that God somehow um, subjects some part of His action to right. human. To human freedom, right? Um, even they would never make the claim that we are stronger than God, right? So, so Paul's argument here hits home for all of us. It's like, oh, of course we're not stronger than God. Right. Well, then how can he be provoked? Yeah. But then you have in the Old Testament. Hey, that's where I'm getting, man. Now get out of here. <laughs> I'm supposed to be making the. All right, go for here. it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so, so, so let, let, let me let me first ask you that question. I mean. Did you did you go to the, the the potential issue? Like, did you see this as did this raise questions to you during your study? As like, now I I, I remember there being areas in the scripture that teach that we do provoke God to jealousy or anger, His wrath, and like, did you or, did your or, mind go there, or was when you're studying like you had this? Plain understanding of what Paul is teaching, <laughs> and like this is totally in harmony with do what we the ever, scriptures teach. Do we ever have a plain understanding of what Paul is teaching? <laughs> a plain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sometimes. All right. So my my brain took me back to when God repented 
for Ooh. making yeah for making humanity right so god makes humanity in his image humanity sins is genesis chapter 3 yeah genesis, i didn't even think of that one okay. too so so genesis yep. genesis chapter 6 rolls around and we see that every intent of the human heart is only wicked all the time that's right that's right and god god is grieved and he repents for making mankind on the earth right shall we provoke him to jealousy shall we provoke him um, is God provoked? Well, you read through the Genesis account, and there it sure seems like he is provoked. Only you continue reading the story, and instead of destroying humankind, he saves it. Mm-hmm. So is he actually provoked there, or is he just grieved, right? Um, grieved in his spirit. So God does grieve. We're not saying God doesn't grieve. Right. But if God were provoked in that instance, he would have wiped humankind off the face of the earth instead of... Instead of saving them through Noah. Yes. Right? I have a more side-by-side comparison. Yeah. Deuteronomy 32, or is it 21? I could go back a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to start with just that literal verse yeah. and then go back into the context a little bit. So Ooh. literally, Ooh. they have provoked my jealousy. This is God talking. Yeah. They have provoked my jealousy with their so-called gods. And that's the way Paul talks, right? There's no there's so-called gods. There are no gods. There are no other gods. And so they've they've provoked my jealousy with their so-called gods. They have enraged me with their worthless idols. So I will provoke their jealousy with an inferior people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so to to ignite the the anger of God, um, the anger of God was there, but it is ignited, mm-hmm. right? Um, provoked, so to speak, which I think is a different kind of provocation. Because I think during the sermon, I even mentioned like God is a jealous God, right? Yep. That's part of who He is. Yep. Uh, that is. One of his attributes is jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see that all the time, but when most it is, people don't like to say it, and most people don't <laughs> like to say it, right? But when it is when it is ignited, it's there already. Yeah, um, yep, right. he he doesn't have to be provoked to become jealous, mm-hmm. but his jealousy can be ignited, which I think is what this text in Deuteronomy is getting at. And then this generation of Israel. Um, this is the generation, uh, Deuteronomy, is the, is the reaffirmation of the covenant before the people are at the, at the border of Canaan, when they're at the border of Canaan for the second time after the 40 years, right? Right. So what happens after this? When the Israelites go into Canaan. Mm-hmm. Joshua takes them into Canaan, and they conquer. And the peoples in Canaan, they still come against them like this, but God still fulfills his promise. Um, God still loves his nation and God still delivers his nation. And that does not sound like a God who is ultimately provoked in the sense that Paul is talking about, mm-hmm. but has his, has his jealousy ignited at one, at one moment or at junctures, right? But he's still rescuing his people. He, doesn't, he never changes his mind about his people. He is constant. He is, he is unchanging in his faithfulness to his people, even if they... They, they earn 
some discipline from him, mm-hmm. um, which actually shows more about his faithfulness and his immutability than it does about any sure. immutability, in, in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, and I imagine if we keep reading through here, that there will be some, I will heap misfortunes on them. That's yep. verse 23, right? Uh, outside the sword will bereave, that's verse 25. Verse 27, uh, had I not feared the provocation by the enemy, uh, that uh, their adversaries would misjudge, and they would say, our hand is triumphant, and the Lord has not done all this. For they are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. So we start to see God's motivation. See, all we've got to do is read through the text. It's amazing what mm-hmm. context does to us, right? It does for us. Um, lacking in counsel. We, we begin to see God's motivation. This is, this is to mature the nation of Israel. This is to bring the nation understanding. Right. Um, would, uh, would that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up. Mm. And so mm. all of a sudden, this is about causing Israel to recognize what the Lord does to bring Israel back to him, right? And so this isn't God just being provoked and just saying, all right, I'm done with you. Um, this is God's jealousy being ignited. And in being ignited, God's jealousy draws the nation back to himself. And that's what God does to his people. Um, and we see that over and over again. That's a theme through the entire Old Testament, right? God never just says, I'm done with you. If he chooses a people, he is faithful. Mm. Period. Right? Yep. So that's how I would answer Deuteronomy 32. I don't know if that's sufficient or not. I think so. Yes. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to throw it into the mix a little yeah. bit. Because, yeah. like I said, didn't... I'm glad... Uh, didn't get into it at just, all. Just for our <laughs> listeners, he said, hey, I got a wrench for you and I'm not going to tell you what it is until we're live <laughs> and then what did you say tell me what it is tell me <laughs> I wanted to know beforehand but you didn't you didn't give in it's true it's true <laughs> just, a, just a little teaser mm. I, I'll get you one of these times probably <laughs> it's, it's not my motive it's like it's likely it's likely you'll ask a question and I'll be like oh no let me go rewrite my sermon. That's, that could happen one day. That's, right. That's, I'm willing. That's, that's what yeah. Reformation's all about, right? That's right. That's right. Keep going back. And I'll, I'll re-preach the same text the next Sunday, <laughs> and I'll be like, guys, I was wrong about this. Yeah. Let's, let's redo. Yeah. Man, have you ever heard a pastor say I'm wrong? I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, yes. Really? Uh-huh. All right. Ready? Benny Hinn. <laughs> I do remember that. He said, I'm wrong. I've been teaching a prosperity gospel. I'm sorry. I'm going to start teaching correct doctrine. And then he went back to preaching <laughs> prosperity back. gospel. So and they go, wait a second. There's no money in this. Yeah. So, so I'm going back. That's right. So, so a false repentance. Todd White, too. Yeah. He did that. Oh, yeah. He sure did. Mm-hmm. He sure did. That, that would have been one of those... If, if that were genuine repentance, I'd have been like, what an awesome addition to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. because that man's passion. But then he went right back to rotating people's legs and calling it healing. So. Watch, watch this. No, oh, man, you're supposed to be on the right side. There we go. Got your, got your leg growing. Oh, Jesus loves you, bro. All right. <laughs> so sad. It's so sad. I know. Yeah, uh, this is such an important question to think about because it, it's so difficult to think about God's providence 
But then also see in the Bible where it, it seems to us like God changes his mind mm-hmm. about things. Uh, to think about God's immutability, to not want to subject God to us in any way, but then see in Scripture where he seems to be he seems to be subjecting himself to the to the religion of man or the ability of man to keep certain rules mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's where I would just remind anyone who's watching this or listening to this, uh, keep reading. God doesn't actually change anything. He says, Israel, if you don't keep this law, I will destroy you. Mm. Right? That's a conditional conditional statement. A We might call it a contingent will of some kind. Right? Israel... You can always count on Israel to break the law. Period. Yeah. Deserving of death. God would have been perfectly right if he was ruled by human action to destroy Israel because he said, I will. Okay? He spared Israel. Well, now we have another issue, don't we? Because now God is going yeah. against his own word. Right. So if you, if you believe that God is, is actually provoked like this, then you have to believe God is going against his own word when he doesn't destroy Israel. And he, it turns out he's not actually provoked in the sense that Paul is talking about provoked. He's actually going against his own word. And now we have another thing that we need to talk about, mm-hmm. right? He spares Israel. And he is faithful to Israel. He is unchangeable. But now he has denied himself. But there's Christ, and we have to consider Christ, and we have to think about the gospel, where that wrath that was due Israel and all humanity was poured out on Christ. And so God did pour out his wrath. He did not deny himself, but he provided a scapegoat. He provided Christ, the Son, the propitiation for our sins. And that's why you and I can sit here today and talk about these things. Right. Right. And and how hard it would be for God to communicate those truths to us if he never used that type of language mm-hmm. to portray um, who he is and, 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 and what we are. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, imagine if he didn't say, you know, because of, what you've done, I will destroy you. You know, it's like, well, what's the what's the absence of that conveyed to a reader? Well, it doesn't matter what I do. <laughs> Which is what most Christians think. <laughs> but but now we have this amazing gospel. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And this is why we this is why we stand so heavily against moralistic teaching, right? Because moralistic teaching teaches you keep the law or God will destroy you. Mm. That's moral. You keep the law or God will destroy you. Whereas the gospel, which is the same gospel provided in Torah, in right. the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, right? It's the same gospel as presented there. The gospel is you do what is deserving of God's wrath by nature. Your works earn death. The wages of sin is death. Period. That's what you deserve. Oh, wretched Man, a rich woman, you deserve death because mm-hmm. you have sinned against a pure and holy God. But God poured his wrath out on Christ instead of you so that you can live. 
so that you can live a full life on this earth. And if you are in Christ, live life in eternity. So in Christ, when he dies for all creation, part of his death, like that's what enables wretched people to live full lives on this earth, even though they are not in Christ, right? right? And to be blessed on this earth, and to be happy on this earth, and to have relationships on this earth. Even the worst, the worst of sinners who have not repented still benefit from Christ's death and his redeeming of his world, mm-hmm. right? But if they're not in Christ, there really is a hell to pay, right? They really will suffer the wages of their own works, and they'll earn the wages of their own works. They'll get that if that's what they want. Right. If we're living by our works, by our deeds, by our religion, we'll earn the wages of our works, and that's death. But if we are in Christ... If we are in Christ, we get the wages of His work, which is grace. The gift of God is eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to invite people into. Right. Enough of this moralistic religious crap. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm tired of that. Well, it's like what, what Paul said in verse 16 here. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? Mm. The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, this is being... This is being in Christ and His righteousness because our works are atrocious. Yeah. They're disgusting. Yeah. And, and we, can't, we can't live our lives in a way that wants our works to be what we're judged by. I want yeah. my judgment to be Christ's works. Right. And then when I participate every week in the Lord's Supper, you know, that's the celebration is it's not me trying to be good. It's not me trying to right. to to earn my righteousness. It is me saying I am I am literally in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like I am his body. Yeah. And I am I'm a participant in it. Mm. In his death and resurrection. Yeah. Um and it, it amazes me how many organizations there are who claim to preach the gospel but really all they're teaching is you must earn your wages Mm. and do they not realize that they are when they make converts when they make proselytes they're they're making those who convert twice as much sons of hell as they are. Right. And those are Christ's words to the Pharisees. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they were doing well, the Jesus same thing. Jesus says, just love everybody, man. You can't talk like that. Jesus talked like that. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Gosh. <laughs> Jesus was harsh, man. <laughs> I think if we were more like Jesus, people would have a bigger problem with Christians. I think so. We would go around talking to all the Pharisees. Hey, you trying to make converts here? You're making him twice as much a son of hell as you are. And it's like, I'm a Christian. You sure you're a Christian? Well, that was Jesus. He's allowed to say things like that. We're not supposed to go to those mean spots. Stop being such a meanie. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me in Matthew 28. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. And you, church, you teach them everything that I commanded you. 
Seems like we ought to be talking like Jesus talked. Sounds like it. <laughs> My goodness. And as I'm picking on a couple people, I will I will reiterate here, which is really important. Um, Paul, when he says, um, I speak as sensible people, I'm not trying to backtrack here, but judge for yourselves what I say. I think it's I think it's pretty clear that Paul doesn't rebuke them for their judgment. Right. He's just correcting the wrong judgment. <laughs> right. He's saying you're judging in a, in a way that is unrighteous. Your judgment is unrighteous because you're judging what's going into my mouth. Right. right. Uh, apparently, they had, a, they had a problem with what Paul was eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. A lot of people... People don't do that. Pe- yeah, people don't have a problem with what we eat or drink, right? Sinner. Um, there, there are a lot of people who judge based on what others eat and drink, right. which is exactly the context here. Yep. And so the Corinthians are judging Paul based on what he eats and drinks. And Paul is saying, that's an unrighteous judgment. No, you who judge me, judge me by what comes out of my mouth, not what goes into it. Yeah. And even Jesus taught that in Matthew 15. Exact same thing. Right? Yeah. It's not what goes into a mouth that what defiles comes the person. out that defiles you. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear. And, and these are just, again, those, those passages, I feel like this is where I wouldn't look at somebody who... Who has these convictions of, of you know or wrong judgment? We all we all exercise wrong judgment oh, at time. Boy, yeah. am I not excluding myself from that error? <laughs> Holy cow! Have, have I made the, the similar mistakes in wrong areas? And this is one of the cool things that I've learned through through my own sanctification and God's using other people to sanctify me. Is is my my you know kind of more youthful arrogance in some areas where I feel like I've gotten so much figured out. And, you know, like I'm around other mature men of faith. And, and boy, if I can like flip the script now, having, you know, maybe, you know, five, ten years pass and looking back at what I was. And, and then essentially I questioned or implied. No, I implied that a man's, <laughs> a wise teacher, pastor, was his theology was potentially like distorting the gospel. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And, and 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 this was, I, I mean, I'll just tell you, it was about uh, pedo-baptism, mm-hmm. right? So so here, here in my ignorant self, not having a, a robust enough understanding of covenant theology, um, I, 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 I implied that that type of work distorts the gospel. And instead of this man, like, ripping my head off, <laughs> or look at me and say, listen, son, listen, you know, son. and treat me like the little baby across the room, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and oh my goodness, do I, do I like, w- like work hard in my mind and heart to not ever be like that? Because right. I could see the temptation to do that. But he didn't right. do that. Right. And here's a man twice my age. And, mm. and this, I'm, I'm this young new church planner, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm acting, you know, not acting pompous, but just like, you know, just... Yeah, I don't have huge problems with that, but I don't. I hope it doesn't. You know, I don't like things that possibly distort the gospel. And he just he took it so well, and like when you when I saw that, I didn't see it then. Right. I look back at it now and be like, when I learned so much about yeah. theology and the, and the areas of why people like like baptize their babies, like I'm like, okay, this isn't a heresy. This isn't like a potential heresy. No. Well, potential in the way if like you you want to jump on board with the Catholics, right. you know, that's heresy. You know, works don't save you. If right. you say works save you, You're wrong. you go to hell. Yeah. Um, and that's not me being a meanie again. <laughs> but but no, this this Presbyterian uh, pastor just really loved on me, you know, and, and he didn't fight me back. He could have crushed me. 
<laughs> he could have took me up, uh, or gave me a swirly in the toilet. But there was grace. Yeah, he, that that type of thing, and, and boy, do I do I love learning those kinds of, yeah. of of lessons in life because in the moment he didn't teach me anything. Yeah, and he purposefully didn't even try to rebuttal me. But I went back later and learned something later yeah. about maturity mm-hmm. about grace about patience about not always having to defend yourself and to justify yeah. your beliefs and man yeah. was that big mm. yeah I I remember being just a nasty arrogant mean person puffed up in my knowledge mm. I can still remember it, and it makes me sick when I think back on oh, it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I, I even asked Katie, like, do you remember when I was like that? And she was like, yeah, mm. that was bad. I was oh. like, I know. It was it was terrible. Uh, I, I hope that I'm a lot better than that now. But I, but I even know, like, I'm not totally past it. Sure. Because I still, like, people say stupid stuff, and I think to myself... Man, what a dummy! You know, <laughs> yeah. like I, sometimes, and I'm like, and then I catch myself, and I'm like, that is not the right way to be thinking about this. Like, right. that's just because somebody doesn't understand the way I do doesn't make them an idiot. It just it just means there's opportunity here for dialogue and, mm-hmm. and more understanding. Whether whether they really haven't come to a proper understanding and need to, or whether I'm the one in the wrong mm. and needs to come to a proper understanding. Sometimes I'll, I'll think people are dumb, and then, like you said, later in life, like, oh, covenant theology's a thing. This is cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was the dummy. I was the dummy. That's right. We just... Sometimes, and that's that's the argument Paul's making here. Right. Like knowledge really does puff up. Um, understanding sure is what is. we want. Um, knowledge is good, but it puffs up so quick. We want understanding, um, which which requires knowledge, but is not the same thing as knowledge. It's much deeper. Uh, understanding, wisdom, is knowledge in love. Mm-hmm. And I think I made that point in a previous sermon. Yep. So. Yep. Here's a here's a big one that you you can articulate clearly. I think this is you know since it's obviously in in the context of this passage here, um, we're talking about um, the Lord's supper, the Lord's table, yeah. um, being in Christ. It's, it is amazing and, to me how often in First Corinthians, a book about basic eschatology, yeah. how often Paul is talking about the Eucharist communion. Right, and I'm like, I'm like, how is this not just, just innate, a regular part of whatever every Christian does? Like, if if it's this ingrained in First Corinthians, how how does anyone get away from practicing communion? Right. Oh man. Or why would you want? Why to? would you want to? <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Consubstantiation. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bad word? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Forgive me. Um. <laughs> now, so an overview I think would be total, it would totally suffice because obviously if we get too deep into this one, it'll maybe, no, it wouldn't pull us away from the passage. It would focus no, too much on one, one aspect of it. Yeah. But, well, well, give, me, give me like 
that brief that brief summary of, of con- consubstantiation. You want the briefest summary I got? <laughs> Do we need a few minutes? <laughs> the briefest, yeah, the summary, briefest summary. The briefest summary yeah. I got. It's insufficient. It'll, it'll get people to to Google it. Christ, <laughs> Christ sits at the table with us. Mm. Consubstantiation. He's present with the elements. Con with yeah. substantiation, substance. Present with the that's, elements. That's a good summary. Yeah. And, and yeah, we, we don't only look back, right? We don't only look back and, and uh, look at the death and resurrection of Christ, but right. we, we look present and future mm. that he is, he is eating with us. With us. And he will be tomorrow. <laughs> which, and, which means his kingdom is established <laughs> now that's really where we're going with this right that's, that's right that's right it's yeah it's communion is a very post-millennial thing to practice if you're practicing communion it means you believe the kingdom of christ is established is that possibly why so many churches are like tapering off and doing this communion once every three months and stuff. Yeah, I mo- mean, moving away from My goodness, it, yeah. if you don't have a, a clear understanding of why you're doing it in the first place, right. maybe that's, well, we don't want it to get kind of boring or repetitious. Like, holy cow. Like, I don't know what's boring about eating dinner with Jesus, but I, I, I sure would like I sure would like it to be repetitious. <laughs> Let's let's do it two or three times every Sunday, huh? uh, right? <laughs> well, well, and then you have crazy passages like in Revelation. So if somebody doesn't take a, a, a consubstantive view of communion, mm-hmm. you get to passages like Revelation, where Christ through John is saying, "I stand at the door and I knock," mm. to a local church that that has essentially kicked him out of the gathering, right? Oh, but it's just about your personal salvation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how we get the misinterpretation there. Mm-hmm. People talking about personal hearts and stuff because because they're thinking memorial view of the Lord's it all ties back in, right? Memorial view yeah. of the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper. We're just remembering what Christ did. His kingdom isn't established yet, but it will be sometime in the future. And so this must it, the only way we can interpret this is personal salvation. We come to personal salvation, then we go about our lives, and it doesn't really matter what we do because Christ is coming in the future, and that's when He's that's when He's going to establish His kingdom. Mm-hmm. Not realizing mm-hmm. that communion, the institution of communion, quite literally means that Christ's kingdom has been established, right? And that we eat and drink with Christ, and then when we eat and drink with Christ, we are recognizing Him as King, and He is taking over, taking over the earth. Uh, overpowering the kingdoms of the world, uh, making ready for this. I'm about to tie it back into First Corinthians chapter one. Are you Do ready? it. Are you ready? <laughs> Him making the wisdom of the world foolish oh, by yeah. the foolishness of faith. Yeah, and that's how he's taking over the world. The gospel, right? Um, so uh, there's no way you can read through the Bible, interpret it well. And come to any other view, I think, than a consubstantive view of the mm. Lord's Supper, communion, and a and a very post-millennial. And I'm and I'm optimistic. All mill, according to Greg Bonson, that's post-mill. So I'm okay using the post-mill language, right? Yeah. And, and a very and a very post-mill 
outlook, mm-hmm. right? Um, because because Christ wins. There's there's nothing else. Yeah. Christ wins and is winning and is winning. Yeah, <laughs> that's the optimism. <laughs> he, he has yeah he has won. He is winning. He will win. Yeah. There's a lot of winning going on in the words of Donald Trump, right? There's a lot of winning. We're winning bigly here. Uh, Christianity wins. I mean, there's no defeat here. Um, no chance. matter what happens to us right now, there's, there's no defeat. Christ is winning. Uh, there's, there's no losses going on. Right. Satan isn't winning anything. Right. There, there's no cosmic battle for the souls. No. Lest you think God can be provoked. <laughs> there you go I'll tie that back in too <laughs> oh thanks man you're welcome yeah uh, what else we got here what do you think you think you think people in the modern day church are drinking with demons <laughs> in the church yeah <laughs> and so uh, Paul points it out here Apparently some people in the church at Corinth are drinking with demons. He just doesn't want them to be. Right. Yeah. But it, but he's also saying here, like, if you are, that's that's fruit. That's because you haven't been regenerated. It's right. because you're not a real Christian. One or the other. Not like a, yeah. a backslidden, baptist right. type there's no, thing. There's no backsliding no. going on here. It's, this is a matter of identity. Yeah. You are not in Christ. You are in Satan. Yeah. <laughs> You can't do both. Yeah. You can't. You can't drink with Christ and drink with demons. Right. Can't share both cups. Right. You're either one or the other. It's kind of like again. Paul seems to know the teaching of Jesus. You a fan of Star Wars? Do I what? Do you like, do you like Star Wars? No, I don't. I, oh, I like to watch the videos, but I am. I would be insulted and Obi One said a bit. Obi One said to Anakin Skywalker. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Apparently, Jesus was a Sith. So, right. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I, I just have a list. I'm sorry. So, so really, in Star Wars, the Siths are the good guys. Don't tell anyone. Noted. Noted. <laughs> I'll have to watch one of the more recent movies. And when you get the meme that, that comes up, it. welcome to the dark side. We have cookies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I supposed to take the red pill or the blue pill? Uh, that's that's where my nerdiness goes. Oh, uh, there okay. you go. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I can't wait for Matrix Four, man. Oh, that's gonna be great. That, we should we should do, yeah. I'll just go there as a church all together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nerd church. Nerd <laughs> church. I'll take it. That's fine. Oh man, I'll help people not like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Continue. What were you saying? Was I saying something? Do you even remember what you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't remember what I say. Um, what about this, like, Paul's argument for Christian, in favor of Christian liberty, he's kind of repeating this, in favor mm-hmm. of Christian liberty and his own partaking of food and drink, right? His defense and his defense for other Christians partaking of food and drink. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Right. Therefore we partake. What do you think about his argument there? It seems pretty solid to me. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty straightforward <laughs> argument. Like, the, the, the things that Lord has made, don't call it wicked. Right. Yeah, like, like he, he's... Man, I, that's right. You got me all hungry when you were preaching last Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about food, but, but really, like, like the, the Lord doesn't create, like, 
bad wicked things. things. No. Like, it, it, it's just we, we, we can do wrong with just about anything mm. that exists. Um, actually, I, I can't think of anything that we can't do wrong with if we didn't right. choose. And we do before Christ regenerates us. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's so so in line with yeah. anything can either be abused or enjoyed in Christ. Mm-hmm. He's made it all. Somehow you can even drink too much coffee. Don't ask me how, but ask me how. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know that I drink too much. Probably not. I don't get the jitters or anything. So yeah, I think I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I love it. This is, this is the, the people that say they don't have a problem with coffee. It's like, I could drink coffee like right before going to bed. <laughs> it doesn't affect me. Oh, I mean, yeah. literally like the first thing you find out when you when you study addiction of, 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 of caffeine, it's if, if you're able to sleep right after consuming a cup of coffee, you're addicted. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> feel like you're talking right to me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no, now there, there's a few hours. It tapers off. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, if you have a cup of coffee right before you go to bed, there might be an issue there. I, I mean, I, I can go like a couple of days without coffee and not suffer withdrawals. Is that yeah. okay? So, That's telling. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, right. but if you could drink yeah. a cup of coffee and literally like, mm, that's good, conk out. I've always been able to do that though. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, I remember reading an article one time about it. There being something genetic about caffeine really not bothering you that much. That could be too. Yeah. Just because I read an article about it doesn't make it true. Right. Not me either, I guess. (laughs) Of course, dude, that's the truth about finding articles, though. Like, you can find an article in your favor if you just look. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) You can always always find both sides. (laughs) And I I think the key thing with addictions is if you can't go without... Mm. That's an addiction. Yeah, and, and it's an I, I like you. Like I could go, I could go without coffee if if I wanted to. I don't choose to because I love coffee mm. and I love roasting coffee. <laughs> what is that? The, smelling I, it, I could, sipping. I could, I could quit if I want. <laughs> <laughs> Not got a problem. I really yeah, enjoy that, it. It's <laughs> an important one to test you. <laughs> Can yeah. I go a couple days without? This yeah, it is. And, and idolatry comes down to that, right? Right. Um, yeah. If 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 Christ is to be our all in all. If the Holy Spirit is to be our only, our only true sustainer, why rely wholly on other things? We don't mm-hmm. have to, right? That includes coffee. That includes alcohol. Anything we can drink it for enjoyment, um, but to rely on any of that for our our sustenance, like I need to have it, right? Well, now it's an idol, right? Right. And we should think about that. And we all have to weigh ourselves. And nobody can look at the motivation of our hearts or, or whatever and, and say, hey, you're, you're idolatrizing coffee. Sometimes it, it might be obvious, right? Because somebody bears the fruit, right? Mm. Um, but most of the time, we have to recognize the idolatry in our own hearts. I mean, it's not something that somebody can point out because people can't see the motivation of our hearts. So along those lines, not so much in the context of today's passage, um, motivation, kind of guilt. Um, we talk about addictions. Like, what what should we be addicted to? Like, right, is 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 God in His Word? Like, like Jesus says, you don't live by bread alone, but by every 
word. Yeah, hang of, on the words. Get addicted to the word of God. God. Yeah. If you're going to be addicted to anything, right. get addicted to the word of God. So here's yeah. my conflict with we talked about like this this works or morality type life, um, and here's here's the big not only the parenting burden, um, but my own burden. We take this to like our pursuit of God, mm-hmm. and boy, like here's another just like confession. Do I I repetitiously fail at 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 what I know I should be spending more time with the Lord, whether it be through study, devotions, yes. prayer. I fail every day, and and I and I try to pull myself back. I'm like Ken, that, that's that's unholy. Like you're you're dishonoring God by by beating yourself up. Like, like you got <laughs> to yeah. work, you have a family, you right? Know. But but I. From a genuine perspective, as as a dad, as for myself and for my kids, mm-hmm. like here here I have this conflict. It's like I teach them, like when there's, hey dad, can I can I play on the iPad? You know, can I can I play a couple mm-hmm. games or watch a movie? It's like, and uh, you know, periodically, you know, it's a couple of times, a few times a week. You know, when that comes up, like yeah. you read, you read scripture today? No, you know, did, did you did you pray at all? No. Yeah. And then here here should be my follow up question is like. Uh, I did I did I lead you today in the word? <laughs> it's like oh. oh, I forgot to do our devotions today, didn't yeah. I? And and that's where, man, that that is. Right. I don't know if it's a tension that I should be writing, or a one or the other. Like no, you're just doing it wrong. You're supposed to be leading your your kids better. You you should be. You're an elder of a church. You should be spending more time in the. You're supposed to be holy right. and sanctified, mature, and like like I'm sure when you say elder or pastor, like people picture like these men oh. that are just carrying around the Bibles. They could quote every. <laughs> yeah, you got your. Do we still have those ink dipping? Am I allowed to wear a hat? Feathers? Am I allowed to wear a snapback? Well, not <laughs> not a gangster hat like that. No, you have too much a little like frills. That's that's sinful. I think sinful. Once you start getting, I gotta a clean it too, up. That's, yeah. 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 Ariel, Ariel font, maybe yeah. Times New Roman, but whatever wild maybe stuff like a, you get maybe like there. a Hasidic <laughs> hat or something. You know? Yeah, that might work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I tell you something I hate? Of course. Okay, I guess I'm going to tell the whole world. <laughs> I hate when people begin. Calling people pious or impious based on things that aren't even in the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Having a quiet time is not something the Lord requires of us according to Scripture. Mm. It's good and beneficial and profitable always. Right. But there's no reason to feel guilty if you haven't had one. Okay. Mm. When it comes to family worship... What scripture has instructed parents to do is, as you go, teach your children. This is Shema. Yep. As you go, teach your children what is written in the Bible. As you go. And it doesn't have to be this time. Like, we're learning now, right? Just as you go. Life. Brushing life, teeth. As life happens. Brushing teeth. As life happens, your children find themselves in certain circumstances. Hey, do you know what the Bible says? You know, mm-hmm. you know how scripture instructs us? Um, you know how Jesus taught us to live? Um, it's just those and those teaching moments happen naturally right? right they're not something we really have to work towards it's just if if we know what Christ taught 
it comes out as we teach our children. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what the Shema is getting at. Teach the law to your children, and that carries over to the New Testament. Teach the gospel to your children too. Like teach them these things. So we don't have to feel guilty about the whole quiet time thing, um, but so many people get moralistic even about that, right? Right. Where does the Bible place the teaching of the Bible in what context? It always places it in the community of faith, mm-hmm. in the local church, right? Yes. So it's the local church's responsibility to teach the whole counsel of Scripture so the parents know the whole counsel of Scripture so that when they're teaching their children, it comes out. It's not a parent's... So it's not that's individualistic Christianity like it's my responsibility to read this to know this to learn this so that I can teach this to my children and develop family worship times like that's that is not what the Bible gives us the Bible gives us the local church mm-hmm. and parents participating in the local church and then teaching their children at home and we might learn in chapter 11 maybe instructing their wives at home I don't know uh oh <laughs> dude that's so sexist so, of you what the uh, heck we'll find out I guess that'll be a future episode of Blacktop Pulpit um, <laughs> so are you teaching that that pastors need a presbytery because <laughs> because if this trickles down uh, man uh, like, <laughs> I see we follow this to its logical conclusion uh, <laughs> I think that, I think every pastor needs a mentor yeah for sure. I think every pastor needs to be a continual learner. Right? And I don't think Absolutely. I don't think any pastor is the tip of the spear. Um I don't I don't think that works out in church government like a presbytery, mm-hmm. but certainly somebody pouring into each pastor spiritually right. who is smarter than that pastor, who knows more, who understands more, who has more experience, um, who's a better expositor than that pastor. I mean, I look to a couple different men for that, right? Yeah. Um, that's important. If you're the smartest person you know, you're doing something there, wrong. There's something wrong, yeah. <laughs> no um, doubt. And that brings me to another question. This idea of family-integrated ministry. Right? So if the local church is what God has provided to teach the Bible, God doesn't place it on every individual to have a quiet time, it's beneficial. I'm not saying don't do it. Right. The more time you spend in the Bible, the more you will benefit, right? right? But God is God is God's expectations for this to happen in the local church. Mm-hmm. That's where God has placed it. So does family integrated ministry then become necessary to have the family together in the local church? That's where I'm dogmatic about it. I right. say not necessary, it's required. Required, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So not separating children out because we want them to hear the whole counsel of scripture with their parents. Right. <laughs> right. And, and for them to see their parents and how their parents engage the Word of God in that setting. Yeah. We want that. To worship with their parents and to see their parents worshiping, right? That's, that's necessary for a healthy family, right? Uh, in a sincere local church that is teaching the Scriptures. But then we get to passages like the passages we have been in for the last few weeks, right? Some parents are going to be very uncomfortable bringing their children into a setting where we're saying, go to the bar, Go to the sinner's house. Be with sinners. Bad company doesn't really corrupt good character. It's just what some people tell you to get you to act right. Okay. Um, what What would you say to parents who are hesitant about that? Because you bring your children in. Obviously, you want them to hear these they things. They need it just <laughs> like we do. Okay. The reason that we're forming all these these wrong headed ideas of what it is to be a Christian is is because uh, we were 
we're, we're allowing these these bad ideas to get into our mind through, I would say, pragmatic, you know, preaching, teaching, you know, devotions that that led us to this idea that you know church gatherings for our entertainment about us. It's for um, our our time to be adults, and the kids need to go and be kids and have something that's applicable mm-hmm. to them. The 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 reason that it seems most, if not all, I'd say most types of children's ministries have failed is because that's not how God has structured to teach the next generation. And if you remove them from the the gathering, which are you, are you removing them because they're not saints? I mean, do you, do you kick your kids out because they're not Christians or to shelter them? Shelter them from God's word, (laughs) or to shelter them from just the truth. Yeah, well, and it's a it's a real temptation, though, right? Oh, it absolutely Um, is. Because we would like our children, and you hear this from parents all the time, right? Don't grow up too fast. Mm. Stay a child as long as you can be a child. But then you read through the Bible, and that is rebukes you for that. That is not God's plan for yeah. children yeah. god's plan is maturity yeah. grow up grow up and so we and, and we'll come down to the blacktop right and this is how this is how i'm parenting this is this is my parenting mentality even now as i'm raising elijah and beginning to beginning to push him in the right direction point my the arrow you mm-hmm. know in the right direction um my mentality is we're giving him rules to start out Rules and rules and rules. So what did God do with the nation of Israel? Rules and rules and rules. Mm. We're giving him rules and rules and rules to start out, right? Because he needs that. He he can't think through things yet. He's not mature. He's, right. he's a toddler. <laughs> yeah. So we give him rules. As he lives, as he grows up, as he gets older, we teach him the reason we gave him those rules. And then by the time he leaves our household, he has no rules because hopefully the law is written on his heart. Mm-hmm. Our, our law is written on his heart. I think that's God's desire for every child. And so in doing that, we raise him and our raising of our child is a picture of the gospel. But then also it's not moralistic, but we're, at, we're intentionally not sheltering him, but teaching right. him to live. And that's what's so important. So children need to know about sex and drugs and, and alcohol. And, and they will. And liberty. By they will one else. way or the other, right? Um, they need to know about Christian liberty. Yeah. They, they need to know what God thinks about them going and hanging out with sinners. About them going to parties. They yeah. need to know these things, right? So that they don't get in the situation where it's like, oh, my friends going and drinking, right? And they asked me to be a designated driver, but because I was raised in a moralistic household, I can't go. And so I'm putting my friend in danger by not going. No, they need to know mm-hmm. that, hey, go be around sinners. Don't sin. Share the gospel. And that's it right there. Here's and the- that's hard for parents. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is hard. So this, here's, here's an interesting experiment for you. Yeah. This is like... <laughs> And I'm saying for you, generally, like, like this, this was a, this was a thought process through, through parenting that I wrestled through, which is really 
challenging. And oh my, when I have all these preconceptions. Should we call Audrey I, in here? <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, do you want to be on Blacktop? She would freak out and be a ghost the whole time. <laughs> I, I tried this. This, um, this wasn't a, a trial and error and see how it goes. This was like me working through right. what it means to disciple my children. Yeah, and this, this is, isn't probably the time to experiment. We, we want to right, know what's going right. to work. <laughs> but this is the general idea that, that, I, that I've kind of leaned most heavily on on how I parent is as I tell my kids honor God in all that you do if you sin I'm going to discipline you because he does and if once you're out from my protection and my you know responsibility to to discipline you for sinning against me your brothers Mm -hmm. God everyone um, he will do it ongoing like Mm -hmm. when you leave the protection of my home and Mm -hmm. you know when, when I know you know I'm not, that's not the right word. I will always be <laughs> responsible for my children, but the the going out from the house and being married off to an, another mm-hmm. um, that's the time shift that I that I recognize happens when I am no longer directly responsible for the parenting. Yeah. And this is what I do. I said, don't don't sin. And th- here's here's where it starts to unravel me a bit. And and my. And my shaping of my home. And now the kids are like, why do I have to go to bed at 8, Dad? <laughs> is it a sin? Is that a sin, Dad? Yeah. And this is, this is why I say experiment because, <laughs> you know, as, here, here's one of the things. And, and absolutely, kids need rules, right? Um, here's one of the things It's that, a sin not to be that we, prudent. Right. And it, your bedtime is a matter of prudence so you can get up at a decent exactly, hour. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's about being, yeah, being responsible, that's, that's it, taking yeah. care of your body. And, and, but, man, is that a good thought process? Because mm-hmm. if, if I set my kid, I shouldn't set my kid's, kid's bedtime for no reason, right? Right. I mean, that's right. And, and these are the these are the questions as a parent we prompt <laughs> with. It's like why why am I doing that? And here's the point too. I took the oldest kids' bedtimes away. As long as they're responsible mm-hmm. and they're taking care of themselves and they're yeah. doing their their schooling yeah. home at home. And, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and as long as they're not you know, if if we were to have them in, in class and, and we could tell that they're you know, just tired. They like lack sleep. I'm like, all right, you're not being responsible with your body and with your schedule. You're taking care of yourself. And that, yeah. man, that that's that's educational to me. And like, mm-hmm. but it also challenges. Like, we if we have rules, they should be Christ centered. And boy, when our kids come to us and say, "Dad, why do I do this?" I better have an answer for them. Because I shouldn't be setting rules that are because unbiblical. I said so. Exactly. That's you not good at growing up. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. That's not good. That's parenting. all I ever got. <laughs> because I said so. And then what do you want to do when you grow up? Peace out, parents. You know, like I'm no longer under your authority. You grow up under that yoke, man. Like, like, oh, man. Why, why, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. That's that's gross. Yeah. You know. I was I was pretty blessed. I don't r- recall my That's mom ever doing lucky. my dad did that. <laughs> okay. My biological dad, he did yeah. that. Um, but I don't recall my my mom ever doing that. And uh, she, yeah, she she ended up raising us on on almost on her own. My stepdad mm. stepped mm. in and stepped up. God so bless her. Good. 
Yeah. Uh, what a challenge it is. Yeah. So, mom, thank you. <laughs> you know, man, <laughs> to be the mom and a dad in a relationship, and to to make up for an entire another human being. Mm. What weightiness on your shoulders. Mm. And she did it. And she did it. Look at you. You're only a little crazy. So. Yeah. Apparently, well, apparently all three of her biological children turned out okay. Yeah. So. My brother works at a bar. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nope. <laughs> That's about as bad as it gets. My other brother wants to work on a pot farm. <laughs> on a platform? A pot farm. Oh, a pot He's like, yeah, that's the kind of job I'm looking for. I'm like, why? Oh, <laughs> Ambitions. Ambitions, yeah. No, no he's, uh, he found something he loved to do. Yeah. <laughs> Not smoking it, but cultivating it. Gotcha, like, like, gotcha. Like he, he's a pretty smart dude. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he knows all the, all the stuff and things. <laughs> Those are the technical terms. Until he starts smoking, then he's not going not gonna to remember so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm not some anti. Yeah. That, that'll be marijuana. another episode, though. Yeah. Like Christians and marijuana. Like did I just say we just lost another like third of our you know supporters? It's like <laughs> you, you just said that marijuana is okay. Yeah. Did we actually say that? <laughs> I just did. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying we should we should treat all of the things that God creates in the same manner. Right. To be used for his glory, however that is, but never abused. Yeah. And I'll just leave it there. You know. Like we started, you could abuse everything or you could choose not to. That's it. Um yep. there are still things you shouldn't choose to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it would be abuse of God's good gifts. That's right. That's it. ultimately that's what all idolatry is that's what all sin is the abuse of God's good gifts Mm. Um, we're we're not that original no kidding we we can't come up with unique sins we have to use what God gave us (laughs) go figure (laughs) all right give me some time challenge accepted (laughs) so so when we're so when we're sinning uh, even though according to a human standard we might be inventing new ways to sin and new evils it all just comes from what God created is good right ultimately and so we can have all the things that we enjoy people don't realize that we can have all the things that we enjoy so to long the, as we are pursuing to the, to the glory of God to the glory to of the God to the glory of God yeah. Yes. yeah if you could praise God through a, a cup of coffee or an ice cold whiskey or you know a, dare I say no I'm not going to say it or, yeah we'll say it or <laughs> or sex yeah Right, yeah. a good well, gift. Well, especially sex. Yeah. I mean, goodness, when you're talking about, yeah. oh. could be could be you could be could be enjoyed to the glory of God. I actually or, thought about writing a book about like the the act of sex, like the experience and purpose of sex and design, and and what heaven's going to be like. So, so none of this stupid like heaven is for real crap. Like, <laughs> I'm talking like, 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 like to the core. Like, how does how does God choose to expose what the fullness of His goodness and experiencing unlimited, untainted, like huh. union yeah. with Christ? Mm-hmm. Because 
Because that's the things that kind of rattles our brain some, at least it buzzes mine. And we talked about marrying us and stuff. It's like, wait, why am I the bride? I'm a dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're the bride of Christ. We're the bride and, of Christ. And women, and women are the There's, sons of God. So, so many analogies there that, that bring in a lot of you know, purposeful truth, as God does with all things that he, he purposes. Like, right. It's not wasted words. Uh, but eh, that, that, was, that was just a side thought that I had. I was like, yeah, yeah. absolutely, my goodness. Right. God made it for good. Yeah, he did. Enjoy well, it for good. Well, and it's about, and you go back to the passage today, like an application to sex life, okay? Mm-hmm. If being a Christian and having the Holy Spirit means living to profit others, and that's our, that's our focus, right? Giving ourselves to others. Right. Well, in the marriage relationship, in the sexual act, sex all of a sudden isn't about me getting pleasure for me. Mm-hmm being satisfied for me it's about profiting someone else and there's no purer form of that than the sexual act and the and the marriage yeah bed. absolutely that's one it's of the biggest problems giving when giving when, when like when we when we have how is it how is it a non-revealing thing for for thing for for what i'm thinking huh let me rephrase that <laughs> I, I have no idea. I know. We're trying to put together. Here, here, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to dime anyone out. <laughs> here, if if there are if there's trouble at home in the marriage bed, it's because most likely you're being selfish, and and that that's, most of the time that's it. is what the real problem is. Yeah. And again, we can all like we're all guilty of that, mm. but we don't need to stay there. Right. So that's. Yeah. Another uh, repent, believe the gospel, <laughs> have good sex. Have good sex. That's, all right. That's so. That's what we walk away from blacktop pulpit with. Enjoy your whiskey. Yes. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your pot. <laughs> I don't know. Enjoy your sex to the glory of God. That's it. Don't man. abuse it. Yeah. <laughs> Straight from First Corinthians ten. All right. So this has been blacktop pulpit. Uh, some of the things I said don't quote me on Uh, (laughs) this has been Blacktop Pulpit uh, Douglas Reformed Church we'll see you Sunday yeah we'll see you Sunday Um, we're talking about head coverings next for women so this ought to be be real fun moving forward absolutely (laughs) yeah we'll we'll see you Sunday